welcome again to the podcast. Really great that you can uh, tune in, and I hope that you'll be encouraged and strengthened as you go and make disciples. This is Conversations As You Go podcast with uh, Praxis, and I'm Dave. Fantastic to have you with us. Uh, Today we have a real treat, and we have Ben Taylor uh, coming in from Somerset in England. Uh, Ben pioneered there in the last 10 to 13 years and started a great ministry uh, called Mission Somerset, but um, he really is a practitioning leader. He's a guy who gets his hands dirty, he's in the harvest, he sees fruitfulness. He's gone through some hard times, some frustrating times, some fruitful times, and he's a guy really worth listening to. I admire Ben, and uh, albeit from a distance because he lives in England. Now, Ben, welcome to the w- welcome to the uh, podcast, mate. Thank you, Dave. Great to have you with us, Ben. Uh, introduce yourself to us uh, to the listener who's not really doesn't know much about you. Okay, so um, well, I'm a 42 year old Englishman with an Australian wife and four kids. Our youngest, Elijah, is 11, and our eldest, son Isaac. Is 19 and I suppose 14 or so years ago having grown up going to church being involved with all sorts of churches and ministries of various shapes forms emphasis denomination we realized quite painfully really that we had no idea how to make disciples as we see Jesus did in the Bible And so we had to reorientate our whole life from um, this kind of church-based Christian life that we'd grown up with and that had all sorts of expectations, um, good and bad traditions, um, a way of speaking. It was like a whole culture, really. And we, we felt Jesus inviting us to join him in the harvest with people that even though they might speak English like we do, we realised we couldn't even speak their language because we spoke the language of what I call churchianity, not the language of the kingdom. Um, so that was felt a long time ago now and we've been slowly but surely trying to learn how to multiply disciples, churches and leaders in the harvest and around the work of seeing the kingdom come amongst new people. That's great, mate. You know, um, we're not here to criticise the church or anything, but you you said uh, you've been in the church, you've been doing stuff, but you didn't know how to make disciples. Um, I just want to draw that out a bit. Um, what, What were some of the distinctions that you would like to put around that? Um, we we love the church, we're part of the church, um, and we're not here to drag it down. But what are some of the gaps, what's some of the, the missing bits that, that the average believer uh, would maybe learn from you? Hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I think I'd probably start... I began to realise... Um, and understand what I felt was important to God. And it became really painfully obvious to me that what's important to God is that people 
across entire towns, villages and regions really understand that he loves them and that he wants to be involved in their life and that that can happen completely outside of the four walls of maybe an existing church or some things that are happening. And so I suppose that's where I felt very much at odds that we were very thankful for what was happening around us in the church family that we were part of. But my heart became, and Catherine, my wife, our hearts really became increasingly heavy for the 99% of people that um, would just in reality never come anywhere near um, a service on a Sunday or indeed any of our kind of groups that we're involved with. And so, as you said, it's not in any way a reflection on the people or the church. It's more a recognition of God's vision that, you know, he doesn't want anyone to perish. And uh, so we had to kind of really wrestle, wrestle with that. You know, what would it look like to be, be a church that had the vision of Jesus where we still cared for one another loved one another, gathered around the word and worship and ate together, but actually we saw an essential part of who we are is that we're going to multiply to spread the kingdom to other people that don't know Jesus yet. Um, And then I think in the really early days when it was just me and my wife and our two kids and it was pretty, (laughs) it's pretty tough to be honest, but we just i just always felt like lord if you if you bring us one person um we're going to try and help them to be a disciple that makes more disciples we're not going to we're not going to see them as somebody who's becoming a christian and becoming part of our church or our community we wanted to do the very thing that jesus said to his disciples come and follow Come and follow us, come and be involved in our family. But as part of that, we're going to help pray, encourage and teach you to fish for more people. And, uh, you know, I can remember what we did with those first few people that God brought was so radically different from anything that we'd experienced growing up in the church. And it was just really fruitful because they were introduced to Jesus and something really dynamic um so yeah it was it was great amazing uh a lot of people would would say well how do you raise your kids outside the church aren't they just going to fall away from god is it, how can you not be involved in church um uh, because i need the church to disciple my kids yeah um i suppose you know we we kind of felt that um I've, I think both me and my wife, we grew up in fairly kind of um, large, youth, like church youth clubs. So there was a lot of Christian families, um, a lot of good relationships. And I'm, you know, really thankful for that. And sometimes I think, wow, my kids, you know, they just haven't had that. And I, yeah, both me and my wife, we get concerned. But actually what we felt when we first started was, um, we actually needed to learn how to disciple our kids first and foremost. And so, you know, we wanted our kids 
to experience Jesus and to see to see what it would look like as a family for us to serve Jesus and serve others. So, you know, they've seen they've seen it all really. People, you know, people we've taken people into our home who have had all sorts of different troubles and Jesus has saved them. They are involved when we have, you know, gatherings and meals at our house. We take our kids with us. And I think um, there's little snapshots sometime of actually the, such the value of discipling your own kids. So I took Hudson, one of our sons, with me. I'd been invited to go and share at a like a gathering of kind of house church leaders who were working in different parts of the UK. And I'd had a conversation with, with one of the, the dads there, and he asked that question, you know, how do you... Basically, what do you do with your kids? Um, and I just said, like, what I've just said to you, that, you know, well, we do with our kids what we would do with anyone else. We love them, help them engage with God, teach them to be a disciple. And uh, then the session started, and... Uh, I shared some things and then Hudson, our 16 year old son kind of jumped in (laughs) and kind of took over to be honest. And he was, you know, literally exhorting this gathering of adults and leaders from the word and teaching them about making disciples. And I kind of sat there feeling quite emotional thinking it is hard. And sometimes you think that's the nature of discipleship. Sometimes you think, it's quite hard work what's happening are people growing and then you have these little glimpses that the hard work and the labor that you've been putting into people causes such an amazing growth and multiplication so that was a real encouragement (laughs) that's awesome that's a that's a great testimony i know you've got four kids and that's uh that's a great thing so you kind of get out there and you 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 jump in with a passion to make disciples, and um, how's it gone? Uh, good. <laughs> I mean, I sort of, I suppose when I reflect on maybe eleven or twelve years of of hitting these kind of things pretty hard, um, you know, I'm someone that I I kind of relish a challenge. So when people say about the UK, well. God can do these kind of things in China or India or Africa, but not in the UK. Some, something in me, my faith is stirred because according to the Bible, these kind of things can happen anywhere. So I think I'm particularly and my wife wired to having faith that God can do these things. And so maybe we spent quite a few years maybe focusing on you know doing the stuff ourselves training and passing on tools to other people but i think on reflection maybe we we put too much emphasis on how you do it and maybe some of the practical aspects and i think on reflection now what's really more important is having the right heart um being full of joy and being open to the Holy Spirit. And I think we're in a, it feels like we're in a season 
in Somerset now where it feels like sometimes there's, there's too much happening, there's too many people that are open. Um, even sometimes when I'm trying to hide away in a cafe away from people because I'm tired, God brings people in and opens up a, a household. So it's just kind of really amazing to see how God is at work and we just have a small part to play. <laughs> mm, your story is really important because the um, the idea that this can happen in the West and movement can happen and, and households can open up and groups. And uh, I remember once you, you showed a, a, a video, I think it was on f- Facebook or somewhere, that I grabbed because it was it was a household of someone coming to Christ and then baptizing and leading their, their sister and their brother and their uncle and their auntie. And then suddenly you, you, you walked in eight months later, couldn't be there because of COVID, and, and there's a whole household of people who weren't following Jesus now following Jesus together. And it was a church, you know, it was a New Testament church. Uh, so exciting. Uh, tell us some of the um, the stories that have been coming out of what God is doing there in Somerset. Mm. Yeah, well, I think I think last night we started the church. Um, so we we went to one of the towns in Somerset about 30 minutes away from us. And this was probably about maybe two, three years ago. And the people that we were going to call on were not in. But one of my friends on the team um, kind of wandered off because he'd seen a family sitting outside their house. So he got talking to them. And I suppose we're always on the lookout for households of people. Um, You know, I know we know God loves everybody as individuals, but... I believe his heart is to see churches growing amongst families and people groups. So we went over to this family and they were Bulgarian. And from talking to them, it felt like they were kind of God-fearing. So a bit like a kind of Cornelius scenario. God-fearing, but maybe not understanding some of the stuff about jesus so we just sat with them for a couple of hours they they actually said that they'd been like somehow been asking god or something that he would send some people to them to help them so it kind of felt like oh yeah we've we've turned up at the right time at the right place and that was probably two or three years ago so since then um, one of the ladies' husband got baptised, then the mum and dad, then some of their friends. And then I suppose I started to see in um, one of the ladies and her husband, I just, every time I looked at her, I felt like God's calling her to do similar kind of stuff that I would do. So I just started going and seeing them quite patiently sometimes thinking what am I doing you know is this really worth it but relating and asking questions and building a relationship with them not on the basis of what I saw with my human eyes but on the basis of how I could see God was calling them and then honestly suddenly it just felt out of nowhere they were starting to baptize some of their other friends 
they'd helped to kind of gather a Bulgarian church in one of the towns. She started to tell me stories that they'd gone back to Bulgaria and God had um, shown them to go and visit some of their cousins in Greece and they turned up um, and they'd baptised some of their cousins and they'd cast a demon out of one of the boys there and it was just amazing and I just, I was like, I didn't, uh, it wasn't anything to do with me but God encouraged me, that patient work of discipling their household sharing that vision encouraging her in her calling and so last night I went round to see them just to catch up encourage them and I went to one of their kind of Bulgarian church gatherings a couple of months ago and as I tend to do everywhere I go just talked to the church about disciple making that Jesus is looking to come into your house and eat with you, um, that that's where discipleship happens. And to cut a very long story short, we, we kind of ended up casting a demon out of one lady and she got straight back up and the first thing she said to us was, please come to my house. And so she was the only one out of about 30 people there who, who invited us to go to to her house. And so it's taken a few weeks to, to get around to do it. But last night with my Bulgarian friends, we went to their house. And it was amazing. And we just went there. We just sat around a table with about, uh, there was five or six of them Bulgarians. And just lived and gave an example of how you can be church together. And three of them are going to get baptised on Monday. So it was just like on lots of different levels, you know, like the sense of faith multiplying through different people, seeing God gathering this church, seeing my two kind of Bulgarian co-workers experiencing God at work. So it was really, yeah, it was really encouraging. Wow. That just sounds like a story out of the Gospels. It sounds like a story that happens in Africa and <laughs> India. It's uh, it's really great, and that that whole thing. Please come to my house. Um, you know, uh, I know <laughs> Mike in Hong Kong. He he uh, he's planted numbers of groups, and he always says this: is if people invite me into their home to eat food, that's a person of peace. That's where the church is going to start. And yeah. uh, and uh, yeah. it's it's such a such a great great comment. I just love hearing about your emphasis on households and groups and multiplication, keeping it simple, and uh, yeah, multiplying churches in the harvest and making disciples. Um, got another story for us? Yeah. So we, um, I suppose, like one of my things is God. It's God's work. It's not how clever we are or how hard we work. And I know, I understand it's good to kind of liberally share the gospel. And we've kind of done that far and wide. But actually, more and more I'm realising that it's just about somehow abiding in Christ so you, you turn up at the places at the right time and meet the right people. And so I... I suppose a couple of stories. We, me and Catherine, my wife, we went away to 
Seville in Spain for a gathering of kind of movement practitioners from across Europe. So it was really encouraging and inspiring, but I got back home feeling absolutely tired. <laughs> and, you know, back to real life on Monday morning with our family and my daughter had missed her school bus. So I was already feeling quite grumpy, but that made me even more grumpy. And so I had to take her to the school and then I thought I'm going to go and go to a cafe, hide in the corner because I don't want to talk to anybody. Um, I certainly don't want to do any kind of talking about Jesus with people. And I was sat in the corner about to put my headphones in and a man walked in and sat on the table next to me. And you know when your heart goes out to someone and you know you need to talk to them. So I started talking to him and he kind of rather miraculously really just opened up his whole life to me. So I was still feeling pretty grumpy but was trying to be a good Christian and listen and appear loving. And then he got to the end and he'd said about he struggles with anxiety and drinking too much. And he said, I would really love to change, but I know that it's impossible. Mm. <laughs> so, so even a tired, grumpy Ben, I couldn't miss that opportunity. And, you know, I just shared with him simply how Jesus can do the impossible. And so we've now met up again in that cafe a couple of times looking at some stories in the Bible, looking at repentance. So I've helped him, you know, repent of his sin and things in his life. He has been sharing what he's learning with his mum and his family. And then on Monday, God seemed to get one of the waitresses involved who shared about her story and her family and we could pray for her. So that was a quite interesting scenario because it was God doing things even when I wasn't even being that super intentional at all. Wow. Love that statement. It's God's work. Literally, it's just about turning up at the right time and just recognizing that you're, you're in that. Yeah. And, and so many times we're um, driven by even a sense of anxiety or performance trying to reach people, but we've learnt, got to learn to flow with God and recognize where God is at work. And that's a great, great comment there, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, tell us some. Um, I just want to ask, actually, you know, from from landing in the area and going through some hard yards of traction and learning how to do this. How long did it take to really start to uh, understand, as a practicing leader, uh, what you're doing, and you are seeing now groups are starting to multiply. I think for us, um, we've sort of had a bit of a pioneering adventure in the UK with all of this kind of stuff so we it felt like when we first started it felt like a probably a couple of years if not a, it felt like a lifetime to be honest where it was just trying lots of things out working through feelings of nothing's working we're feeling frustrated we're feeling a failure and and we kind of in the early stages we gathered people in our house so that was a really good kind of learning ground and then I kind of was feeling everything I'd read in the bible phrases like every town and village 
seemed to stand out to me. So that's when we then sort of started on this adventure of well, how, how, how can we go and start churches in other towns and villages where we don't live? And that felt then another kind of taking ages and years of learning how to find people of peace but then how to work with people of peace Um, and yeah I just I mean we've been doing it for 14 years and traveling around the UK and learning and everything and then it's kind of strange and I think encouraging but also a bit challenging there's people now who God is calling to work in a similar way and for them it's much more normal the idea that oh yeah you'd find a person of peace and you'd help them gather their oikos so sometimes if i'm being honest (laughs) it's like oh lord why is it taking us like a lifetime to get to what seems not much and then other people get there quickly but that's the joy of seeing other people be more fruitful than yourself and so i think this whole area i think of finding people of peace and and expecting in faith that god is at work in their oikos is just a massive massive area um and i think a lot of people a lot of people in the uk understand it conceptually but I think when they would then meet with someone who they feel is open, it's so easy to revert back to what we've learned growing up in church, which is to slip into like one-to-one pastoral ministry. Yep. And so, you know, we've just learned to look for God, God at work amongst the whole household of people. And so when, when people come and visit and experience it, it's really great because they leave thinking oh yeah that's i get it now it's really simple mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so it's just like seeing how it how it works and it's just god like last last you know last night just being sat with these these bulgarian guys you know we just simply looked at i just asked them who wants to understand more about what it means to be a disciple of jesus and we just read what Jesus said to his disciples, come and follow me and I'll teach you to fish for more people. So it's just, I love it. It's so exciting when you're in those situations, being able to help people engage with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a huge paradigm shifter. A lot of people look in the movement space with what they've learned um, from church and they go, Oh good. I can go reach my one friend or my, that one conversation and what you're talking about is a paradigm shift into looking at communities and groups and seeing the kingdom planted in amongst the whole community that it might spread and multiply. And um, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's huge. That's uh, really exciting. So um, I want to ask you a couple more questions and then um, ask you to finish off our podcast. But what frustrates you? What frustrates me? <laughs> uh everything (laughs) um yeah i do i do get easily frustrated i think something that's got me frustrated the last couple of weeks if i'm being honest is we have um you know we have a few online communities 
here in the UK of people that are giving this a go. And um, I suppose I was just listening to some of the conversations and listening to some people sharing over recent weeks. And it just felt a little bit like um, people kind of justifying why things were not happening or explaining things away. And I just started to feel a little frustrated about like our lack of faith. Um, you know, and, and a lot of these guys, are, they're seeing encouraging things. They're really persevering working through challenges but I suppose um, I was just hearing and thinking oh god you know there's got to be there's got to be ways here that you're wanting to grow our faith um, so I kind of uh, what I tend to do when I get uh, frustrated about something or I sense like God's wanting to do something in us here and I just felt like I needed to understand more well how does God grow our faith because that's the most important thing isn't it not not our methodologies or um, our planning or our hopes but actually our faith everything comes out of our faith so I thought instead of getting frustrated and being rude to people I'll go away and I'll read I, I actually wrote down and went through all of the scriptures in the New Testament that talk about faith and that was really really interesting and helped me personally but also helped me to understand the absolute importance and necessity of um, understanding how God grows our faith um, and you know I looked quite a bit about you know Abraham's called the father of our faith and so you know you see in his life that he he obtained a promise didn't he so i often think this vision of movements of multiplication for a long time i thought it was something that god was asking me to do but actually i misinterpreted it it was actually a promise from god that it was something that he was going to do and so I think when you approach this vision as a promise that you were going to see the promise happening not through hard work or obeying rules but through faith it makes things a whole lot more peaceful and joyful um, so yeah I think that that is something that frustrates me about myself and other people that we're I think we're often content or happy to think if we just keep doing what we're doing, someday there's going to be a breakthrough. When I think the life of faith is a daily coming to God, understanding his will and his ways, which are often very different from ours, and being open to, to changing and growing every day. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I wrote this down. been writing a few of your quotes as we go. Approach vision as a promise. Uh, that's 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 great, and approach it with eyes of faith. It's God's God's promise. That's really really exciting. The vision of multiplying uh, groups in the harvest is God's idea, not ours. Um, and it, it probably you probably just shared the answer to this second question I was going to ask: is what are you learning 
Um, um, but uh, do you want to add to that in that open-ended question of what are you learning and what are some of the learns that you're taking out of this journey? Yeah, I think uh, I'm quite a... Um, I don't I don't do well in conversations or situations where it's all theoretical. Um, you know, so me and my wife are a good team. She she is very good at sensing what God is saying prophetically. Um, and I think God's given me the grace to be able to ask the question, okay, what are we actually going to do about this? And but the longer I've gone on, the more I've realized the absolute importance of abiding in Christ so I can see in the last maybe couple of months God has done quite a few things that were way beyond I could imagine or hope for and that just and just felt wow that it's so God it's not anything to do with us and I can also say during that time that the Holy Spirit's also been pulling on me to spend more time praying and often praying in the Spirit. So it's things that we all know, we all know these things, don't we? We all know that Jesus said, if you abide in me, you'll be fruitful. But when you have four kids, a marriage, you have people who you're discipling who have really broken and messy lives it's quite hard sometimes to actually prioritize time to pray um so i think that would be that that abiding prayer that is kind of like you feel so overwhelmed with what god wants to do and you feel so inadequate about doing anything towards that that it forces you to kind of have that desperate prayer and just and always coming back to uh, you know I find myself slipping into that conversation Jesus you know grow my faith or increase my faith and I think every time I see in the scriptures where Jesus is talking to his disciples he's actually lovingly rebuking them and saying they actually had no faith or like where is your faith and so I think just that daily practice of coming to the word of God and being willing to recognize that actually often we don't have any faith and and having a repentant heart and then asking the Holy Spirit to transform us so that we do have faith in what God wants to do. Um, and I think that that's the root issue in all of our how do we find people of peace? How do we gather churches? How do we appoint leaders? How do we see people set free from demons? It's all rooted in often we have no faith. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some great, great things there. And um, I know you're speaking to people who do have kids, busy life. Many of them are, are working full time and making disciples. Some of them are supported workers out there but still feeling busy what are some of the bullet point ideas that you you apply you say well i need to abide in god i need to be filled with the holy spirit you talked about praying in the spirit 
and and the idea of faith, um, uh, us, you know, repenting of our lack of faith. Um, what are some bullet point ideas that could practically help people spending that time to abide in Christ? And what does it look like? Well, we all know fasting. You know, there's no way around other than saying, you know, regular fasting. Um, you know, I suppose I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with some of the spiritual disciplines because I can easily drift into doing things for the sake of doing it. But regular weekly fasting, personally and with those you're working with, um, and having really focused prayers. So at the moment, I've set my alarm on my phone because I read in the Psalms the other day that this the person writing the psalm cried out to God morning, noon and night. And so I've set my alarm to go off at nine o'clock midday and seven o'clock at night. And every time it goes off, I, I genuinely believe that that God in, in Somerset, he wants churches to gather from house to house and publicly every day. And he wants people to be added to those churches through baptism every day. And, you know, it's not a vision statement. It's it's at the core of who I am. I believe that is what God is and wants to do. So every time my alarm goes off, I pray that scripture. Um, and so I think someone really encouraged me just last weekend about praying the word of God. Because often we can come to God in our prayers and we're kind of pretty desperate and we're crying out to God and it can feel a bit disheartening. But actually, often God God answers us before we've even asked him things. And by praying the word of God, it strengthens our faith and helps us to see what some things are that we can partner with God to do about it. And then we... I suppose we've always we've always done it ourselves personally, but um, you know one of the things that always stands out to me about Jesus is that he prayed all night sometimes. Uh, so we are in a couple of weekends' time, kind of instigating an all night prayer um, to see multiplication movements in all the regions of the UK. So we're just inviting people in the UK to join for some or all of it. So. There's just something about, in the same way of denying ourselves free food, denying ourselves of our sleep, to cry out to God all night for the place places where we live and the people that we love. That's awesome. Yeah, I know many of us are here in the middle of 40 days of prayer and fasting, and we're, we're, uh, that's a, just a great encouragement for us right in the middle of all this to, you know, really see that this morning i was reading in exodus 30 you know the the aaron was commanded to set up an altar of incense and in the morning he was to light the incense and the evening he was to light the incense and i went yeah there it is we we need to we need to worship god and pray in the morning right before the presence of god and in the evening and then later in exodus 33 you know moses would go out and meet with god face to face in the tent of the meeting and every household was stood at the, the the doorway of their tent and watched him as he went in and the cloud and the fire came. 
And it just symbolized that this was, although in those times, you know, the separation of God through the rites and the cult of the temple, etc., um, that every household was to meet with God. As they looked at Moses, they were to worship, and they, they worshiped God as, as Moses met with God. And it's a household thing. It was like, there it is, a picture of the New Testament church. Every household worshiping God. Um, regularly, and um, it was just an awesome picture. So your encouragement tonight uh, has just been fantastic, Ben. I'd love for you to finish this podcast off just with a, a word of encouragement and exhortation or a prayer for those who are listening, who are working, and I'm sure there's just been so many rich takeaways that they've listened to you uh, tonight. Um, just how would you like to finish us off? I'd want to encourage us all that just as Abraham the father of the faith he never wavered in his belief that God could do whatever he said he would do Um, and that even when God fulfilled the promise he was then prepared to offer it back to God Uh, So sometimes I think we can look for the breakthroughs when actually what God is trying to do is just move us another step along the journey of faith. And I just, yeah, I want to encourage and pray for everyone that God multiplies genuine faith. So you think about when Paul said to Timothy, you know, the genuine faith started in Timothy's grandmother, then his mother and then Timothy and to, to that young man who was you know reaping the benefits of his his parents and grandparents faith he said to him now do the same moving forward and so may it be an encouragement to us all listening that God is working patiently and lovingly to to prove our faith to be genuine and that that's what he multiplies so even it might feel like how I feel sometimes. You think, why is all this other stuff happening that has nothing to do with the work of multiplication? But actually, it has everything to do with the work of multiplication because God's, God's trying to grow our faith, which is the most precious thing, that that's what he multiplies in others. So, be encouraged.